This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Matt Fay, CFO of FinFit. You are listening to the CFO Thought Leaders Podcast. This is episode 499. Strategies to, is to certainly diversify from a geographic standpoint, product standpoint, and a channel standpoint. Um, the goal isn't necessarily to be every state or every city. The goal is to be strategically located in, in the right geographies, right? So we're, we're very focused on making sure that we are in the right um, metro cities and where we can leverage our supply base, where we can leverage our know-how and enter those geographies. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Nadim Moyes, CFO of Select Interior Concepts. It's a building materials company supplying interior surface products for residential and commercial builders. Today, it has two subsidiaries uh, doing business as Residential Design Services, RDS, and Architectural Services Group, ASG. It's a NASDAQ company. Our discussion begins after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu, and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful at planful.com. to begin by asking our guests to look back for us and reflect a little bit on their careers and identify what those experiences were they feel prepared them for a finance leadership role. What comes to mind for you? Yeah, great uh, question, Jack. There are two in particular that uh, I would point out. One was a M&A role at Chrysler Corporation um, earlier in the career. Spent about seven years at Chrysler, which is ultimately now an FCA, uh, Fiat Chrysler Automotive. And in that role, I was a project manager in the mergers and acquisitions group. And 
one of those rules where um, yeah, I really didn't have any direct report, uh, although I was responsible for taking a project, either mergers or, or the divestiture project, from initiation to fruition. And it, it requires a lot of influence on a number of different stakeholders. And so it's one of those really growing roles where you learn how to influence multiple stakeholders um, and, 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 and really point to how you, how you sort of really work together uh, cross-functionally. And so th that was a very defining um, role for me and really helped me build um, the surface a set of uh, tools um, to, to really ultimately get to a leadership position um, from an overall organization perspective. Uh, the second uh, experience was a uh, was an educational experience. It was at um, Harvard Business School. I was lucky enough to participate in an advanced management program that uh, HBS offers. It's a, it's a two and a half month program, and um, it, it's really great for um, folks that have come up through functional areas. And since I came up through a very much a finance role, um, it helped me broaden out in areas of organizational behavior, marketing, operational effectiveness. And you really work together as a team and do you know, just a ton of case analysis in, in various other functional areas that you probably have not been exposed to and it really sets you up as a, um, from a leadership standpoint, it really sets you up as a great leader um, to be able to understand um, other functional areas and what the pain points are um, as you think about uh, your peers you may be working with in, uh, in organizations. All right, so at this part of your career, when you join Select Interior, uh, what, what is it that attracts you here? What is the opportunity that uh, you saw? Yeah, look, again, a great question. Um, you know, SIC um, is a relatively new public company, and for me, it was um, attractive with respect to building a foundation and building a, a team um, for a public company. And so when I joined in um, late July of last year, the company had not direct listed. It was still private, and it was an opportunity to join a management team and um, get a direct listed on NASDAQ, which we did in August. And um, and really take the charge on building a foundation um, for a public company. And, um, and, and that was a huge focus in uh, 2018, really the second half of 2018, uh, really since I, once I joined. And so the exciting part there was uh, building out a team that, that uh, you know, you could support um, SEC reporting, internal controls, tax, um, investor relations program, financial planning analysis, forecasting, all of those areas typically that you would expect to have in a um, corporate um, area that is public needed to be built out. And, and so um, the second half of 2018 was a, a very um, transformational time for the company as I, as I came on board and, and built that out. So that was a, a significantly exciting part of the um, job consideration as I was thinking about the, joining the company. Um, and, and the second part of um, excitement was the investment thesis on um, doing M&A and, and growing the company, um, and not only from our M&A, but also organic initiative. And um, 
and it, that was uh, very, very exciting having um, experienced that in, in my former uh, CFO roles in another company, a very similar story, um, a number of acquisitions in a short period of time and, and a tremendous amount of shareholder value uh, being created. Yeah, now, was this company, uh, its decision to go public, was that, that preceded you, I think, uh, but you can clarify that if I'm wrong. But was the decision to, to become a public company, uh, to be a direct listed, driven by M&A ambitions and wanting to create uh, the liquidity required to participate? Uh, yeah. So to answer your question, um, the decision to go public definitely preceded me. Um, the, the desire to go public was driven by... Um, uh, a process that was undertaken in, in 2017, um, and it, it basically created an opportunity to provide liquidity um, for uh, private investors that were in the shareholder base in 2017. So um, the desire was to um, allow and create an avenue for existing shareholders that were private um, uh, to be able to uh, participate in the public market and, and you know, take up their position if they wanted to or, or exit their positions. And so it, it, was, it was part of that consideration. So today as you go forward here, what are the top of mind metrics? What are the, the numbers you're looking at before your cup of coffee in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, definitely cash. Um, first, um, I, you know, that's a, sort of a daily um, uh, it's very important uh, for, for me, and, and, and so cash um, always comes first in my mind. Um, and then certainly your other other metrics that are, are very important to the business, sales, um, uh, margins, return on invested capital, those are some of the key ones that um, you know, certainly I'm very focused on. How do you feel? I mean, as you move into this new role, did you feel you had the visibility you required? Was there some way of looking at the business maybe that you enjoyed in the past that you found you had to put the systems in place or find certain talent to help you get at those numbers, create that visibility? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, that, that, was, that was totally understood coming into the role that we would need, I have a need to help put together an organization um, that allowed um, sort of the um, reporting um, that, that that's that's absolutely necessary um, in, in a public company. And um, so, so um, you know, we spent a lot of time last year uh, putting in um, some systems in place um, that allowed us to consolidate our, our financials in a fast and efficient manner. So that was clearly number one. Number two was the organization. Um, you know, as, as I said, there was a bit of foundational building here. And so, um, you know, we brought on a controller, we brought on a CC. Uh, person, we brought on a tax person, we brought on an um, um, aspect of your audit um, and uh, finance and, and planning, and, and in particular on the planning side, um, we had to put in tools to look at cash forecasts, look at uh, sales forecasts, look at um, uh, earnings forecasts, and, and build out uh, you know, projection models so that we could get a, uh, you know, I could get a very good gauge of how the business is, is uh, projecting to behave. And so th that was all very, very um, um, clear to me coming into the role that, you know, we need to put that foundation as soon as possible 
um, given that the company is about to go public, and given that um, you know there's going to be a lot of exposure to to um, uh, shareholders and, 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 and potential analysts and, and other stakeholders that are very interested in learning how the company is um, um, thinking about uh, future performance. And I'm wondering, that whole process, it involves hiring, it involves, I guess, qualifying the different types of tools, what was needed, what wasn't. I mean, was there a SWAT team to help you evaluate some of these systems that you quickly adopted, or what would you tell us? Yeah, so look, um, you, you know, I was fortunate enough to have had uh, a number of experiences in past jobs and, and um um, building an organization very quickly. Um, and so most of the, the assessment uh, was, was really um, you know, driven by me in terms of how to set up the organization and sort of the talent you would need. It really, really comes down to, at the end of the day, uh, building a team that is, is very agile. Um, it, is, um, it, it can move very quickly, um, has the set of experiences in, in, in from other industries, um, in, in terms of initial reporting analysis and planning and, and areas of um, subject matter experts like tax. Um, and, um, and, and, and in terms of tools, um, you know, the tool that we ended up using um, and we started working on last year um, was, was a tool that I use in, in a couple of other places. And, um, you know, it allowed us to, um, that experience allowed me to move pretty quickly, having come through companies that were acquisitive, that were growing pretty quickly, um, and um, were um, spread over a, a vast geography. Um, I, I relied on those experiences to, to deploy um, a finance uh, reporting tool um, rather quickly. So that, that all worked out pretty well. And so it really ends up coming down to really three things. You know, it's, it's people, it's process, it's, it's systems. And my, my approach always has been, you know, you, you get the right organization structure, uh, you get the talent in that structure, um, then you start building um, um, processes around that organization and ultimately have a very high-performing culture. So that, that's sort of the, um, the, the ingredient uh, to a, a very agile and, and, and focused uh, finance organization in my mind. Now, has the company uh, announced additional deals since your arrival? Or uh, have you been, uh, when we talk about M&A, are you really just integrating some of what's been acquired in the past? Yeah, so we've done four acquisitions um, since I've arrived. So we announced two um, in August of last year, which we completed uh, in August. Uh, we announced one in January, which is completed. And we announced one in March, which is completed. So we've done. When you first came aboard, these deals were sort of announced in tandem with you joining the company, or no? Um, so I joined in late July. We announced these two deals in August, late August. Really, you're you're immediately in the uh, the cockpit integrating the uh, the operations of another company. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you're off to a running start. Yeah, I mean, look, really, it was it was really. You know, if I boil it down, it was really two-pronged, and they were both very fast. One was build a foundation very quickly, um, and, you know, you're building a foundation in a very lean and efficient manner, right? And certainly very cognizant of expenses related to 
corporate expenses, right? So you, you, you have to build that very, very quickly. The first queue filing for the company was in uh, public filing was in uh, for Q2. And <clears throat> so that was the first filing that, that I did. And I started on July 23rd, and we filed um, in mid-September. Um, and, um, you know, when I, when I started in, um, in, in late July, I was really the first person um, in corporate finance. Um, and then so I could, I could build a team <laughs> to, to, um, to, to really put together a queue, um, a 10 queue, very, very quickly. So we had to put a team together. Um, I, you know, we had to run it due course on, on internal controls to make sure that uh, the financials were, were solid. Um, the disclosures had to be all, all done uh, appropriately. And, you know, we had to file our queue and host earnings call um, very, very quickly. At the same time, we had two deals that were in the works that we were going to execute on um, and, and fund and uh, properly um, plan our asset base um, in the same quarter. So it, it, was, it was really uh, fairly rapid, two prongs, uh, you know, two work streams, if you will, that were fairly, fairly um, quick. Now, is select interior is it is it sort of ge- geographical? You're filling out the map across the country. Is that uh, if we were to boil down the M and A, what some might describe it as? Yeah. So it's um, the the strategy is to is to certainly diversify from a geographic standpoint, product standpoint, and a channel standpoint. Um, the goal isn't necessarily to be in every state or every city. Um, the goal is to be in strategically. Um, located um, uh, locations in, in the right geographies, right? So, um, so we're, we're very focused on making sure that we're in the right um, metro cities and where we can leverage relationships, where we can leverage our supply base, where we can leverage our know-how and enter those geographies, number one. Uh, we're also looking to make sure that we have an opportunity to cross sell our product. So if we're going into a location uh, and we're doing an acquisition in particular, we're looking for an opportunity to, to buy a company that may only have limited set of uh, products or services, and we can come in and augment that revenue uh, profile with additional products or services. So that's instantly value creating. Um, and then number three, we're looking for channel expansion. So, um, you know, if, if we are, for instance, um, you know, in certain region where, where uh, we want to expand to um, uh, d- different channels, um, you know, that's going to be important to us, right? So what we're going to be looking for, how much of the sales are going um, in, in, in what in markets? Um, are they going in single-family residential? Are they going in commercial? Are they going in multifamily? How much of it is your family model? So we're going to look at end markets and channels, and um, the goal is to diversify um, that part of the, the revenue uh, profile, right? So, so again, we're looking at geography. We're expanding that and strategically targeting certain markets, certain geographic markets. We're looking at uh, products and services and looking at buying companies or looking building locations, but in particular on the buying side, looking at buying companies that have, that we can cross-sell additional products into or services into. And then number three, we're looking at channels and we're making sure that, you know, we're diversifying our um, uh, and channels um, so that it's, it's well balanced uh, given, you know, 
every model, commercial, multifamily, single-family, residential. When we come back, we ask Nadim for a finance strategic moment. After this. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. We always like to ask for a uh, finance uh, strategic moment, which is any time during your career, really, but I'm sure you've had plenty of these. Uh, but it's when your lines of sight and the organization allowed you to identify a risk or an opportunity, and you responded to it. What, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so uh, the, the, there was an experience I had. Um, I was CFO of a um, transportation equipment leasing company. Um, very, very similar from an investment standpoint. It was growing very quickly, um, a lot of acquisitions. And one of the areas that I was responsible for was billing um, and collections. And it's one of those businesses where the – Average ticket size is, you know, about thousand uh, dollars a ticket, and the customer base is like over thirty thousand customers. And the customers in that business were um, trucking companies, small um, owner operator, very small owner operator trucking companies. And what what I found when I got to that role very quickly was the receivables and the collection cycle was just long, and we had a collections group. And um, but but we all struggle in collecting these small ticket items, and, and, and it was difficult. The customer base was very difficult to deal with. And so I started evaluating it um, over a period of time, and and and, and then and, and I started looking at the incentive structure for our collectors, and what I found was look, it was just basically straight pay. And I I, I made the case for changing that incentive structure to be a more of a success fee structure, almost like a collections agency. Um, and, 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 you know, there, there was, there were some uh, disagreements on that approach that, you know, well, well maybe that will uh, not get the right behavior or, or the collectors will get addicted to these incentives and, and, and then they'll want more and more incentives and, and, and that's not a great use of, of cash and maybe, maybe we're putting the wrong incentive in, incentive in place. And I, and I, I had a piece of that as well. So, you know, I, I think, I think if you, if you were to, Make portion a big portion of their incentive that is successfully based. I, I think they're going to get a, a very different reaction. And so we started with a small group of uh, group of folks. Um, the, the collection group was originally set up, and so we started with one one region of the country, and, and we did a little experiment, and it was quite successful. And we had these little incentive awards uh, for hitting certain goals, and what we found was was it became a competition, and and within that group. Um, that small team of collectors were competing with each other, and, and, and then we had 
And then that started to take over, and then they had a big board. In a, in a month, they had a big board, and they had, like, who the top collector was. Collector was. And they were, this is all self-directed within the collections group. Um, and it, so it became quite, quite successful, and we ultimately um, made it uh, um, part of the bigger group. Uh, you know, the, the learning there was, was, was um, about organizational behavior and how do you, how do you get people motivated. And, and that's just one aspect of motivating people, certainly. Uh, when not always the, the motivator, but it would turn out to be a pretty good success story. And what we found was that um, that once you created a, a level of competition within the organization, um, through through at least this aspect, it really changed behavior. And and people um, that were in that group that typically weren't interested in in really pushing um, uh, the collection agenda previously were starting to get more and more engaged, and, and they really wanted to be, you know, it, uh, be part of this 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 process, which is uh, quite competitive. Um, and, and so we, we certainly felt um, really good about that. And, and, and then we would do quarterly rewards and quarterly um, um, celebrations and, and things like that, which, which really kept the team motivated. So uh, ultimately it became part of the organization and the comm structure and, and um, was, was quite successful. Okay. Putting our competitive natures to work. We want to uh, jump to our mentoring round where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and uh, inform future finance leaders. What is it that's exciting you now, today, about finance and business? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, uh, finance is, uh, is a great area to, to really start a career, right? I mean, you can really get into nuts and bolts of the business. It's probably the only area where you really have a 360 view on the business, in particular, if you're starting accounting or, or, or some sort of a corporate FP&A role, um, it's a great role, and, and those are both great roles, and you really have a good view of, of, of the business. So I, I, to me, that, that's exciting. Um, and, and, and the second part of it that is very exciting is, is that you know, finance is, a, is, is really going through a, a, quite a bit of change. The expectations of the finance team continue to, to increase um, in a meaningful way. Today is certainly um, you have to be technical and you have to understand sort of the the gap accounting and, and sort of the theory of finance and, and sort of the technical aspects of it. But more than anything else, it's about being a strategic partner to the rest of the organization. How can you provide um, not only data but insights? How can you provide um, meaningful um, direction that you can um, lead into based on on accounting or reporting or, or crunching big data. And, and that that is exciting because now you can bring in a lot of value to um, uh, other members of the of the team, other members of our management team uh, in terms of and it, and, you know, and, it, and you can cover a lot there. It, it, it could be pricing, it could be operational execution, it could be um, um, it, it, it could be um, management of assets and, and those kinds of things, right? So um, the, the role in finance is thinking large and, 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 and really becoming a more of a strategic role. And finally, on, on that note, um, that continues to excite me, the whole digitization effort. And um, there's a tremendous amount of value that, that finance can bring in into the organization through um, visualization, um, visualization tools. It, it could be um, data analysis, data crunching. And it could 
Australia. Again, very exciting times because the role within finance continues to, to broaden. So what is it that you wish someone had told you uh, when you stepped into the CFO role for the first time and you said to yourself, gosh, I only wish someone had told me this. It comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's one of those roles which is um, fairly broad and you're going to be pulled in a lot of different directions. And, and so um, over time, I've learned to balance this. But the, the work-life balance is, is, is always important. And, um, you know, you have to be able to manage um, some of the other requirements within your home, within your um, uh, life balance. Um, and, and so, um, you know, I, I think a, a, a good regimented routine is, is very helpful. And, um, and so that, that comes from better learning as you kind of get engaged in the, in the job. And, and um, as you progress through your career, um, that, 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 that's an that's a important element of how to balance the, the work-life balance. And, and um, um, you know, I would, I would, I would recommend uh, to folks as they think about this career and the CFO role, that um, you know, keep that in mind. As a as a leader who has helped build businesses in both the private arena and the public arena, can you can you reflect a little on us uh, for us uh, about building businesses in both arenas, the pros and the cons? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've, I've um, certainly been a CFO for say um, uh, private equity. Portfolio company, and then um, this is my second job as a public company CFO. And yeah, you know, uh, at the end of the day, the the basic nuts and bolts are effectively the same. Um, you're in, in both cases, you're you're driving um, very hard and very fast and to increase shareholder value. That that's that's key. That's ultimately in, in both scenarios going to be the same same thing. Um, in, in a in a private equity or private setting, um, there's the, 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 the process is really different. Um, the, the structure of governance is different, for sure. Um, the aspect around public reporting is, is much more limited. Um, and, and so in that role, um, the, 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 there's a tremendous amount of focus certainly on the operational side, and that's the expectation um, uh, from, um, uh, for, from the private equity uh, owners. Is really focused on the, on the operational aspect of, of driving the business and, and growing it. Um, on, a public, on a public company side, there are other aspects that, that certainly come into play. Um, uh, public company reporting becomes very important. Um, governance becomes very important. Um, investor relations and shareholder base management becomes very important. Um, and so, so the time allocation to these other functions um, that typically don't get into consideration in a private setting um, need to be thought about. And, and so you have to focus on those areas as well, along with operations, uh, operational aspects. Certainly the operational aspect and the focus is going away. It's, it's there for sure. Um, but on, in, in addition to that, you have um, a focus on, on some of the um, key elements of working with a personal habit or a routine that you believe has contributed in some way to your success? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's been uh, reading a lot. Um, so I, um, you know, just uh, um, I just read 
tons of um, they pick tons of stuff, um, and it's 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 much broader than Spanish, and so I spent a lot of time reading National Geographic and, and other 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 journals and, and publications and and um, various aspects of, of um, um, you know research. So uh, for, for me, it's been it's it's been that, and, and I think it just helps has helped me be more well-rounded in terms of overall um, aspect of business, just reading out reading out uh, um, lots of different points of views and, and different um, um, areas. Can we ask you for a book? Is it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you have one top of mind. If you don't, that's okay. Oh, a book? Um, yeah, I, I would. Th- there's a book. Um, that I I read um, that I thought was was really good, um, and um, th- this one is, is is about business, right? So this one is is called um, Lessons from Private Equity Any Company Can Use. That's the title of the book. Lessons from Private Equity Any Company Can Use. It's a great book. Um, it, it is written by um, um, I think I believe former Bain uh, partners. Um, and um, and it's, it's a short read, but it, it is a it it it, it was really um, for me a great book. And again, the what's in the book um, it, it is it's very focused, it's fast, and it sort of gives you this um, framework that you can apply to your thinking as you're trying you know, as you're building companies and you're running companies. And it's it's meant to be for the executive team. You know, that's the target audience for that book. And um, I would encourage people to to pick it up. It's I mean you can it's a, it's a it's a you know maybe an hour read. Yeah, it's a very quick. Well, here it is. I see it on Amazon. Lessons from private equity any company can use. And it's Farid Nagish, who of course was the I guess the chairman of Bain, and Hugh MacArthur, one of the senior partners. I suppose interesting, great choice. You haven't had it before, so thank you. All right, uh, Nadine, we're up to our final question where we get to ask you to look forward for us finally and share with us uh, what you expect to be your priorities over the next 12 months. What comes to mind? Yeah, well, look, for num- number one for me is, is um, your actual environment. Um, and, you know, that is, that is um, key, um, you know, key to me and the rest of the management team. And so we're very focused um, and, in, in looking at all aspects of the business and how do we drive shareholder value and, and you know and you, so if you start unpacking that it's you know, it gets into how do we how do we increase revenue how do we increase margin how do we increase cash flow in the business how do we generate uh, higher returns on invested capital than our peers and those are all sort of ingredients that should should drive shareholder value right so um, and and how do we get how do we get our story out there so that people understand what it is about and what we're what we're um, trying to do at SIC
Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.